0: Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You're watching the 65th episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. This is going to be our 2019 year in review episode, and we're going to rehash all of the things that happened in the world of lacrosse uh, that we covered specifically over that time, as well as some milestones for the channel, and uh, mixed with a little what's to come and all that. But first. Let's get this video over 100 likes, Uh, so if you're watching, smash the like button and share this video to get the word out about the podcast, about the show, about this upcoming season, uh, college lacrosse season specifically, that we're going to cover as uh, 2020. Uh, gets rolling, we're going to start covering the NLL as well. So make sure that you hit the like button. If you're watching this, make sure that you share this video and uh, just know we're about to cover hard the NLL and uh, the college across season for 2020. As soon as, uh, as soon as the, the, the calendar flips, if you want to support us uh, beyond that, you can go to laxfactor.com, get yourself some swag, t-shirts, hats, mugs, all sorts of other stuff. Also, if you comment down below, you will get entered to win a, over the course of all these videos uh, for this episode, we'll put this episode out in over two YouTube videos, comment down below and you'll be entered to win a pair of these um, Rampage lacrosse shorts, peacock pattern. They're pretty crazy. These are big. So uh, I think these here are XLs and they're really almost size like double XLs, but you get those. Um, if you comment down below anything that's thoughtful. And then also, if you go to sergiosalicito48.com, buy your kid, or if you are a kid, hit up your parent to have him buy it for you. Buy number 48's Train My Way online training program where Sergio himself will put your kid through a series of drills he uses to fine-tune his own game, both in-season and during the off-season. So two ways, go to laxfactor.com, get your swag, you can support us that way, or you can go to sergiosalicito forty eight dot uh, com and allow number forty eight to help motivate and educate you or your kid as a player. So without further ado, let's get into our first segment of uh, this podcast, which is going to be predictions. We're going to talk about uh, the predictions that I made, and I'm kind of a, I guess you would call me a hot take kind of guy here. So I made some bold predictions that didn't pan out, and then I made some general predictions that did. Um, so one of them was I was hyping Yale up all year. A lot of people had uh, were starting to write Yale off as maybe. You know, you lose your Tawartan winner. Um, in Ben Reeves, and maybe they weren't going to have quite as quality of a, a 2019 as they did in 2018 when they won the national title and Reeves was a Twarton winner. And I had been predicting all preseason and into the beginning of the season that we were going to see big things from Yale uh, with the addition of TD Erlen and then just the offensive unit, the defensive unit that they had coming back. I I had predicted that Yale was going to very possibly uh, end up in the finals. I, I had predicted they were going to make the, the um, semis, make the final four, but that they would probably end up in the finals. They did. So I got that one right. That's not, that's not a real hot take though. There were people who thought Yale was going to be that good. And there were people who knew they were just going to be a solid team, but I did specifically predict that Yale would end up in the finals. Boom. Nailed it. Uh, Because I'm a homer, I had also predicted that Syracuse would end up in the area of nine or ten wins as I went through their schedule. And Syracuse, I think, in the regular season, uh, maybe uh, during the course of the whole season, they ended the season with nine wins. So I nailed that in episode three of the podcast. I predicted that UVA would return to glory and make the final four, although I did not mention them as one of my winners um, to win it all. I didn't, I didn't say they were going to win it all outside of just that they had as good of a chance as any to make the final four and compete come Memorial Day weekend. So I kind of nailed that. Um, I predicted Yale. UVA, Duke, Cornell, Loyola, and Maryland would all share time in the top five. That ended up being true. Not too difficult because some of them started there, but uh, they all kind of hopped in and out of that area. I predicted Cuse and Hopkins would end up in the top 10 uh, no matter what happened throughout the season, and that ended up being true. Hopkins ended up there. I think they might have ended up outside of it by the end. Uh, I can't remember. Now, I did get a bunch of things just uh, stupid um, wrong. Oh, and then as I go into player stuff, one of the things I got... um, I. Yeah, no, we won't go into that because that's actually technically something I got wrong. So things that I got wrong and I got these things um, badly wrong, I predicted Cornell was going to win it all. You know, as my hot take and I said, you know, in the beginning of the year, I said, it's way too early to predict this, but I'm going to predict that Cornell is going to win it all. And I thought they were going to be a dark horse and I was really wrong. And I had kind of based that off Cornell finished 2018, really strong beating Yale in the Ivy tournament. Um, uh, just, just had a really good 2019, um, season making the NCAA tournament. I thought Jeff Teat was going to break out and have a monster year. I thought they had the tools in place and I thought they were going to play solid enough team defense that I legitimately thought they were, uh, a con- going to end up being a contender. I thought they were a legit final four contender. And if they could just get to the finals, they were exciting enough, uh, that they could win it all. And that didn't even come close, uh, to happening as uh what they finished third or fourth in the Ivy um, I predicted Teet would be the player of the year and win the Tawartan, and that didn't happen. I did predict Spencer would be right behind him uh, and that he'd win Attackman of the Year. It ended up being Spencer uh, won the Tawartan, and I think it was uh, Amat won Attackman, uh, the Attackman of the Year award or the equivalent. I predicted Hopkins would break the top five. Didn't happen because they got beat up by Loyola right at the beginning of the year, and they never really rebounded. I predicted in this one, I was I was super Thinking that this was going to be right, I had predicted that Kobe Canese would end up being the goalie of the year. I got that wrong. He had a down year, I think, you know, in terms of what he probably expected of himself, although he still had a solid season on a really good team. I think their style of play does not lend itself well to making life easy on goalkeepers, so I got that one wrong. Uh, but in fact, I got all the Player of the Year awards wrong. So I won't even go into the rest of them. I got the defensive defensive Player of the Year wrong. I can't even remember who I picked. One of the three Duke defenders. I got the attackman of the year wrong. Player of the year wrong. Midfielder of the year. I think I got wrong because I want to say Costabile may have gotten that, and I picked uh, picked Aiken. I think the only one I would have gotten right if they did issue the award was uh, the um what's it called specialist of the year cuz i'm sure that that did go to Erlin and obviously i picked that so i got all the player of the year awards wrong uh you know but what are you going to do that's a tough one dope things that happened in 2019 in the college lacrosse world the first dope thing Utah and Saint Bonnie's. We have two new programs uh start the season here and they actually opened uh, the 2019 season Vermont at Utah and uh Vermont traveled out west and they got a W over Utah but then Utah just 8 days later they end up getting their first win over Mercer at home by a score of 13-19. Then Utah goes on a three game they lose two and then they end up going on a three game winning streak getting wins over Air Force who ended up ended the season 10 and 5. They get a win over Furman and Bellarmine, and they finish the season with a win over Detroit Mercy, setting the bar high uh, for first-year programs by by finishing the season 5 and 10. And they played a tough schedule, too, because they end up playing Duke, Denver, UMass, who had a really good season last year, and UVA, so that was pretty awesome. It's 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 always good, and we're going to have some new teams join uh, uh, Division One this upcoming season as well. So that's always a good thing to see is just see the sport grow at that level, but more importantly, to see uh, uh, what these new teams can do, especially out west like that. That was they had an impressive season for a first year team, and I and I haven't I don't remember being anyone being this excited. You know, we had Cleveland State pop up, we have um, Detroit Mercy pop up. You get high points and things like that. I don't remember there being more hype for a new team popping up than what Utah had going for them. That may be tied to the coaching staff and everything, but either way, Utah, they had a great season, first-year program. That was awesome. High point, they upset both Duke and and Virginia in 2019 en route to a 13-3 and record, and they still didn't make the tournament, which was crazy uh, because they get those two huge quality wins, but then they end up losing to Jacksonville, I think, on the road. They lost to Richmond, I believe, twice, once during the regular season and once uh, in the um, in their conference finals. So really, they were a have-to-win-your-conference-tournament-to-get-in type team. They didn't do that. They lose to Richmond. But what it really did, and I think this was one of the earlier things with the shot clock that we saw, was it, it kind of made stalling games out impossible. Uh, the, the Blue Bloods can't, couldn't kind of control games, control possessions the way they used to be able to. So you really even up the number of possessions that each team gets over the course of the game. And we saw early on a lot of upset. Syracuse lost to Colgate at the Dome uh, because normally uh, where a team like Colgate would start to try to kind of stall the game out, and that wouldn't usually work for them. They would lose momentum, lose offensive flow, and and that would allow the Blue Bloods to come back. The shot clock rules force these teams to just keep their foot on the pedal, and I believe that that played a role in some of these early season upsets. So we saw early season upsets, more specifically High Point, beating Duke and Virginia, and, and it put kind of the, the Blue Bloods on notice. Nobody is safe. Even Blue Bloods at home aren't safe with Syracuse losing in the Dome, and I believe High Point beat both Duke and Virginia on the road. Um, We saw the introduction of the shot clock, and that couldn't have gone better. I was skeptical. A lot of people were skeptical, but the reality ended up being it was nothing but good uh, it was good for the sport. It was, good for, it was good for players. It was good for officials to make it easier. It was good for coaches because you can coach uh, in, a very, in a very defined way, and it kind of kept things simple in that way. But more importantly, it was, it was good for fans. It did speed up the pace of play. I think that it did contribute to having some upsets and, and contributing to some of those upsets that happened early. So we see the shot clock come into play, and it was awesome. We also saw the introduction of the dive and that couldn't have gone worse. I liked it and I thought it was okay and I didn't mind the way that the officials called it myself, but other people have lost their minds and they have not been fans. Beer break. Cheers to a uh, 2019, by the way. So, uh we see the dive and that didn't go well and they're going to change some of those rules coming in here into in a in, uh, 2020. Uh, but I'm still glad the dive's back and I hope that the dive stays long term even if they have to tweak the rules over time. We saw the introduction, or no, no, no. We saw Penn State's Grant Amat and Mac O'Keefe, uh, both of them put the world on notice en route to them tr- trashing record books, trashing conference record books. AMET puts up 30 goals, 95 assists, and 125 points to O'Keefe's 78 goals, 18 helpers, and 96 points. So these dudes at Penn State completely wrecked it. Let- let's not get into the fact that I didn't pick Penn State for anything. I didn't talk about Penn State preseason at all. Uh, I did start talking about them right away, right away early as I started beating people up and O'Keefe and um, uh, Amet were putting up tons of points. I got Ament's ro- name wrong a bunch of times here. So I didn't get into talking about them nearly as much as I should have, but they end up just wrecking the world and, and Penn State ends up doing so right up into their first Memorial Day appearance. Penn State gets their first NCAA tournament. I think they got their first conference tournament win, possibly. They definitely got their first NCAA tournament win. They definitely made their first Final Four, obviously. Uh, So Penn State came out and tore people up. Loyola, another kind of mid-major, another team that's kind of right on the cusp of being considered a blue blood, but not quite. But they're always in the hunt. Uh, they They come out tearing it up. They came out and beat UVA at home and then went on the road and thrashed Hopkins at Homewood. And Pat Spencer, more specifically, thrashed everybody. Spencer comes out doing his um, are-we-not-entertained celebration uh, in that Hopkins game. So Spencer comes out with Loyola and proves that they're a contender, and they ended up contending. They make the the, uh, quarterfinals. Uh, before losing in the tournament. Spencer, he comes out and played the entire 2019 season like a damn caged animal. And he puts up 114 points on 49 goals, 65 helpers. But the way he did it was incredible. He beat people up. He bullied people. To me, he proved, and obviously to the Twarden voters, he proved that he was unequivocally the best player in the country, despite all the crap that Ament did throughout the season. So that was huge, but he was one of the, it was one of the most dominant offensive performances and kind of team leader based performances that I've ever seen because teams did everything they could to try to stop him. They just couldn't. Uh, TD Erlin, he has another crazy ass season going 75.8% at the face-off X for Yale in 2019. He takes a 495 face-offs and won 375 of them over 18 games. I think, we get into kind of just capping it all off. And, you know, one of the predictions I had was that UVA was going to make the Final Four and, you know, be in contention for a title. And they end up winning the whole damn thing. And and it was good for the sport of lacrosse, partly because it's good, you know, at least all of us fans of Blue Bloods, even though I'm a Syracuse fan at heart and I'm, I was raised to hate Virginia and Hopkins and anyone that, you know, Syracuse didn't have a conference back in my day. Um, back when I was in my probably late 20s, they joined the Big East for a while uh, before, and probably early 30s, actually, and before the ACC was formed and them hopping in there. But uh, seeing Virginia win the title, win it the way they did, to progress and, and to get beat up uh, on the road against Loyola early in the season, and their defense did not look good at all, they, but you knew they were going to be able to be formidable offensively. Um, to see them go from that, To improving to the point that by the finals, they beat Yale at their own game. They beat Yale by being the bullies on defense, by out hustling them in every way, shape, and form. So that was huge seeing Virginia, you know, start the season the way they did, play some tough lacrosse throughout. And they kind of took over like, you know, Syracuse had gotten the moniker cardiac Cuse" over the course of the last few years, especially because they've been owning Duke. But, um, to see Virginia kind of take that over. I mean, you, you look at the, the win that they had in the semis over Maryland and then, uh, and then just coming out and just roaching Yale, beating Yale at their own game, being bullies, beating them up, beating them to ground balls, and then just outscoring them despite the fact that Yale dominated the faceoffs. So to see Virginia, one of the blue bloods get back to it, win the, win the championship. Uh, that was exciting, uh, to see the season that, um, that uh, Ryan Conrad had for Virginia. Sorry, I'm saying I'm um, a lot. I'm drinking beer and I'm watching the Giants in the other room here as I'm uh, sitting down to to do this podcast. Uh, so to see Ryan Conrad have the season, uh, to bounce back after that season-ending end, injury against Syracuse that he suffered last year, to see him bounce back and to come out and just to tear tear it up like he did uh he was my pick for midfielder of the year because he just he truly dominated in all areas of the field he played on the defensive side between the boxes ground ball master hustle master put up points where they needed them um so i i it was it was fun to see ryan conrad even though once again i'm i hate virginia uh here but i like them up here uh or maybe i hate them up here but i like them here i don't know either, you can, it can go either way but to see him have the season he had that was pretty awesome also So 2019 for college across was crazy. And then you go beyond that. We have the PLL. We have the MLL. So we got all that excitement between that. We get the PLL finals. I think PLL won the war overall uh, in terms of the pro. At least they won the attention war for sure. I'm not sure what happened with the gate wars, but in terms of attention war, PLL definitely won. Uh, So I think that in the end, moving forward, the PLL is probably going to be the way to go. But to see that league start, to see the, the success it had in 2019, that was awesome. And uh, uh, now we've got got an NLL season that we're going to start. So 2020, it's going to be exciting. Uh, We're going to, like I said, we're going to cover college uh, all starting as soon as, right in January, we'll start doing more preview stuff and talking more about college again. We're going to start covering the NLL uh, right here at the beginning of 2020. Uh, They're, I think, at what, week four or five or something like that now. So we'll follow them through the rest of their season as well. And some things, uh, kind of third segment level stuff here, but I'm going to kind of throw this at the end of this video here. Um, 2019, in terms of just our channel and how we did, and uh, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. In 2019, we, we hit 2.2 million views overall. So our videos over the course of 2019 alone did 2.2 million views. So that was awesome uh you guys watched 195,000 minutes of our videos that was crazy even better we gained 6300 subscribers i think right now we're sitting at 7900 subscribers we gained 6300 of you guys uh over the course of 2019 which is which is bonkers we had like a thousand plus uh to start 2019 and we end up with uh 78 right now 6300 gained over the course of 2019 with a couple of you know a couple of days to go here So I can't thank you enough, uh, all you for that. Um, and that's it for this episode. That's it for 2019. Uh, what we'll do right off the bat is we'll start putting out, uh, we'll start doing an NLL, um, recap after every weekend. So probably Tuesday, you'll get the NLL recap from us. Maybe even Monday, if we can pull that off, I might shoot it Sunday and then have it out for Monday morning. It's just tough to put videos out on Mondays because they don't perform well and podcasts alone alike. Uh, so we'll figure something out with that. Um, but the, we're going to start covering the PLL right away. We'll do a Monday or Tuesday PLL show, and then we will do our normal you know, college podcast uh, Thursdays. So we'll do a Tuesday, Thursday, and then have stuff out on Saturdays as well as we break them up and release them to segments. So it's going to be a great 2020. As always, thank you for watching. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Comment down below to get entered to win a contest. You can go to laxfactor.com, get swag, and uh, watch all these videos and all that crap right from our website, laxfactor.com. You can get t-shirts, hats, all that stuff. Also, go to sergiosalcido48.com, and you can sign up for the online program, Train My Way, and have Sergio number 48 teach you some crap. Uh, So you can do that as well. Uh, And uh, that's it, man. Men and women probably, but realistically, it's 98% men, I think, that watch these videos because we only cover the men's sport. So either way, thank you for watching. Thank you for making this channel uh, slightly profitable compared to what I put into it. This isn't my day job. I'm a web developer by trade, arcmediagroup.com, A-A-R-C, mediagroup.com. I don't think I've ever plugged... My own company on here. I'm a web developer by day, and I just do this in my free time. Uh, but you know, we actually did make some money, and uh, the, the the channel's profitable. Uh, so this venture is profitable, and uh, we hope that 2020 is better. But I thank you all for helping with that, and uh, as always, thank you very much for watching. Uh, enjoy, and we will be back next week.